Welcome back to Talks with the Fox and Francine Cunningham. Yes, so that is such a very, I believe that would be a very wonderful text for young females to read because, you know, what what happens to our bodies from when they start changing and we go through our adolescence, you know, the whole education around breasts and understanding our bodies as girls and women, females. Um, I think your story, just the way you described it, would be really important for young girls to hear, especially those who may be also encountering a similar experience where their bodies are developing, you know, a little quicker than they're prepared for and just all the feelings that come with it. Yeah, I, I agree. I wish I had something like that. Uh, when I was a teenager, uh, weirdly enough, I think the only thing I ever really read about, uh, a girl's body sort of going through that time was the diary of Anne Frank. I don't know if you have ever read that, but Yes. (laughs) I read that book so many times as a teenager, just over and over again. And I just really enjoyed, like, I liked how frank she was, and frank, but how frank she was (laughs) about um, really, because she was her diary. So she was talking so honestly about her body and, and her, like, you know, her growing attraction to Peter and, and everything. And I don't know. And I like that was the only book that I had to read about, an, a teenager or someone else going through something similar. So um, I'm glad there's no more books now. There's this other really great anthology I was in called uh, hashtag not your princess. Um, that was, that came out with, um, uh, Oh shoot. The publisher. Oh, was, um, that was, did Lisa Charlie boy yeah. edit that one? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I have that. Yeah. So uh, I have a poem in that, in that book, in that anthology. And I absolutely love that anthology. I think it's so beautiful. It's so accessible with all the artwork and the pictures and just the way they laid it out is so clean. Um, and there's just a lot of great stories again, uh, from women, indigenous women, um, about their experiences. So it's a great collection. Yes, well, we need to continue to have those conversations and sit in those circles as women. That's what we used to do. I mean, our grandmothers were part of those circles, and and there was no such thing as body shaming or body image issues. And again, when we think about colonial, the colonial context of beauty and you know body image, that didn't exist. You know, when back in the day, because everything was just accepting the process of changes in life and more importantly, celebrating and embracing those changes and having our coming of age ceremonies and bringing our boys and girls into their next change of life through ceremony and Mm -hmm. um, appreciating that and the sacredness attached to that. Whereas it's so different today. And, you know, we think about our youth and the challenges they go through, you know, that's just part of it. You know, if we could have those, continual circles and sit together and guide our girls as they're growing up, which, you know, it's starting to happen again. There's more of our communities and our women that are bringing those, those traditions back. You know, I see it even with my niece, the, the self-love that she's 
developing at an early age that I, and the confidence in herself as a, you know, little Blackfoot girl, that's what I wish I had growing up. So, you know, we can come back to those ways. And, and I think it's just powerful telling our stories and you do such a, a beautiful and unique way of doing that. So you're, you're not only supporting others through the, the, the art practice of writing, but you're also bringing back these conversations on how we can heal ourselves and how we can grow into who we are supposed to be authentically and with pride of where we come from. Yeah. Um, I mean, thank you. <laughs> I feel like it's just like, you're giving me so many compliments. You're making me feel so good. <laughs> thank you. <Andrea. laughs> Yay. <laughs> well, that's what I want. I want you to feel good because you make other people feel good in your stories and, and you're healing and you're empowering others to, to tell their stories and their truths and, and celebrate them too. No more of this. Oh, I, you know, I feel shame because this happened to me or this is what happened in my family. It's no, let's just talk about it and let's be okay with, with, you know, that's part of our history and our, Mm -hmm. our, what's happened. But more importantly, we're sharing and we're healing and your writing does that Francine. Oh, thank you. Okay. So I want to give our listeners a little, uh, treat here. Well, not such a little treat, but something that I know they will really appreciate and get a snapshot of your writing as we so, you know, as we talk about it and celebrate it. I would love it if you would read us some poems, maybe a couple that you think you want to share today with us. Sure. Um, yeah, I was thinking about like what kind of poems I would read and I mean, sometimes I like to read the love poems. Sometimes I like to read the family poems. Sometimes I like to read the mental illness poems. But I think today I really want to, I think I'm going to read two of the identity poems. I feel like it fits with the conversation. Um, Yay. So this is going to be, I'm going to read the second poem in the book, actually. This is called On Identity. So every book in the, every poem in the book is on something. So whether it's on identity, on love, on grief, on mental illness, on food, on tradition, on living, and then the whole book is on me. So I've sort of like categorized it that way. And then the title of the poem is called Origin of a Destination. I hadn't heard the term white passing until recently. It wasn't something I grew up with, white passing. Said like bad words, strung together to hurt, to designate, to demarcate. Like I should be something other than white. Like I should have skin other than what I have. Like I was called white buffalo growing up. A difference in the lineup of cousins. Marked, but not known why. Makes blood, Métis, half-breed, hybrid. Off-reserve Scottish, Indian, Steinhauer. A part of the land. Aboriginal, Cunningham, quantifiable. Belgian, a Bill C. Indigenous, Cree, Callahazen. Urban, non-speaker, prairie dweller, native status card holder. The buck stops with me. My mom always said that to my sisters and me growing up. The buck stops with me. As if to say, you are not Indian in the government's eyes. You are not Indian in the people's eyes. You are not Indian. But then why do I hear Cree in my dreams? Wow. (laughs) That's so that's you and that's where you come from. And, 
And I love how you bring your mom's voice into this as well. I mean, I, I hear her voice throughout your your book here and in and, and the different uh, stories that you're telling, sharing. Um, so, and, and by the way, that is the second poem in your book here yes. um, titled On Me, which, you know, as you explained, it makes a lot of sense. It's, a, you know, this is ultimately about you. Mm-hmm. Um, what an important piece to really open up your your book here um what inspired you to to talk about that how did you how did you put those words down on paper that explain who you are well um I mean my whole life has been a question of like what are you (laughs) uh from strangers you know at really like weird times too, but people are kind of curious. They look at me and they can't figure out what I belong to, I guess. Um, because I do, I'm fair. Like I have white skin. That's just how I was born. My mom did not. And neither did most of my family. And I have light green eyes. And, um, but my features maybe have more of like, I have more of my grandmother, my cookums features. And so people are always just sort of like, what are you? And so, and I didn't, I I always grew up feeling this sort of like in between of like not really knowing what I should say or what, what was happening. Like I didn't understand. And I grew up in a different time than people right now where people weren't really talking about this kind of stuff and Mm -hmm. where, you know, it was just, I don't know. I was just my, I was always just Indian. Like that's just what we said. Like that's how we called it. Right. Or mm-hmm. I was just like native, like that was it. And, but then out into the other outside world, it was like, well, they couldn't figure it out. It, it, I didn't fit with their expectations. And then, but then also inside of my own family, it, it was also like, I looked very different. And so I just never really understood where, what anything meant, but I just, but I also like, I grew up with my grandparents speaking Korean, like they were fluent speakers I mean, my, my grandmother's still alive, but my grandfather's passed, but they were fluent speakers. And so they would speak Korea all the time, like constantly. And I actually lived with them for a while up North. And, um, so I heard it and I started to learn it. And then I went back to the city and nobody in the city spoke Korea. So I sort of, I I lost it. Um, but I do still like, sometimes I'll dream in Korean, like I'll have that. And And then I have all these experiences of like, you know, the smell of hide is probably one of the most comforting smells I've ever, that exists Mm. for me. (laughs) Like, you know, because my grandma was, she made moccasins and she made just so much stuff. So her, her trailer was always filled with, with hides and, you know, people skinning on the front lawn. It was just like, so I have all the, so I was just a mix up. I didn't know like I was just mixed up in my own identity for a very long time. And, and I felt like I didn't quite belong anywhere. And then, um, as I grew up, I feel like as the like politics or as the conversation started to evolve and I started, I went online and people are having all these conversations and I just really needed to like own who I was and just be very honest about who I was and what, like just, yeah. So when I, I hadn't heard that term white passing. Like I said in the poem, like I didn't grow up with that until I was probably 
30 or so. Like I just didn't hurt it. And then I was like, Oh, I mm-hmm. guess that's what I am. Um, because out in the world, people don't really know what I am, but a lot of people, because I use my father's last name, Cunningham, just assume, um, that I'm just a white person, I guess. Um, so I just, I really just wanted to talk about it that, and, and also acknowledge that like I understand and, and also that I don't speak for every indigenous person that's ever lived in the, on the arm, you know, and that I am not a spokesperson for anything. And the only thing I can really talk about is my own experience. And that's the only thing I want to talk about. Um, and I don't, and I like want to recognize my privilege that I have, because as, as you sort of go through the book, you can see like, I like went with my mom, didn't have the same privilege that I had. And, and I, that was also something that I didn't quite, I didn't understand growing up, like why I was readily accepted, but she wasn't. And then I came to understand that it was because of the way that she looked and, and the perceptions that people had because of the way that she looked and, and how they didn't have those same perceptions about me. Um, even though we grew up, like we're family and we have the same experiences, you know? So I was just, I, I, that took a long time for me to sort of wrap my brain around. Um, and then, so in the book, I really talk about it when it comes to, um, her diagnosis and how I totally feel that if, if she had looked like me, she might still be alive, but because of the way that she looked, and the, so the doctors perceived her a certain way and didn't give her the same kind of care that they would have given um, me. I just want to say that is such an important issue there that even in that poem that you talk about the treatment, the medical treatment your mom received based on her physical appearance, you know, resembling of Indigenous ancestry versus like you just said, you know, if maybe if she looked like me, it would have been different. And you're not far off in that, you know, we're starting to now hear those stories of our Indigenous people, the treatment they received. It's not just in the um, justice systems. It's also in the treatment we receive through medical, the medical treatment we receive. And, you know, as we hear the stories about the women being sterilized and, you know, without their consent and, you know, all these things that are happening, not just happen to us, but are continuing to happen to us. And so your story in itself brings, it's it's shedding light on these issues that are still, unfortunately, occurring in this day and age to our people. I touch on it a few times in the book about how different experiences I've had, especially in the medical system with that um I had a family member who worked in the medical system and she had to constantly make reports on doctors um, to HR about things that they were saying behind patients' backs, like of indigenous descent. The things that they just said casually, right? Cause they, they just thought that they could get away with it. And, and, um, and so having to hear that kind of stuff all the time is, it takes its toll on you that's also something that I put into this book about just talking about that because it happens. It's happened to me so many times where people will say something and maybe people I don't know very well, or I've never met before. And they think that I'm like their co-conspirator and whatever racist Mm -hmm. that they're saying. And, and just to constantly be put in that position of like, okay, like, 
what am I going to do now? Because there's something that happens in your body, at least to me, when you're confronted with someone who's that openly racist, mm-hmm. where they feel they can just say something. I go into I go into the fight or flight. Like honestly, my body mm-hmm. has it's almost it's like a trauma response, where my body I get like automatically I'm tense. I have so much anxiety. I don't know what to do with myself, and I'm scared because when someone's like that, you don't know what they can do. Like, what are their boundaries of that? Are they going to physically attack you if you say anything? Like, and so I talk about that in the book about like that confronted with those moments and some moments you're like, okay, this is a time that I can educate and I can talk. And other times you just, you feel so unsafe and that you just, you just need to run away. And how then there's the guilt about having, like having those feelings, that fight or flight and, and not being able to speak up every time because you're stuck in your own trauma. Um, and I remember I was talking about that on stage somewhere and, um, there was a woman who came up, she was an indigenous woman who sort of came up to the microphone and she just started crying because she just said like, she'd never, nobody had ever talked about that out loud before that she'd like, she'd never heard anybody talk about it and she'd never heard anybody admit to their feelings of like that fight or flight or that feeling of inadequacy of not being able to to teach her not being able to speak up or being scared and how she felt that all the time. But, and she always thought that she was a bad native person because she didn't have it in her to speak up every time. And but that's the problem. We shouldn't have to yeah. carry that, right? You know, we shouldn't have to be prepared how to respond appropriately when somebody's inappropriately and, acting violence out on us, whether it's even through their words, through racism, that, that just really gets to me too, because yeah, I've, I've felt that myself, you know, in moments where did I say the right thing? And then you kind of almost beat yourself up after the fact. And you're like, you know, maybe I should have said this or, you know, and then it just, like you said, it re-traumatizes you and, that's so that's work that we need to continue to talk about, unfortunately, but we will continue to talk about it so long as it remains an issue for, for our people. Yeah. And one of the reasons I really did want to write about it in my book and talk about it openly and my own failings with it and, and my own feelings about it and everything was because I'd had so many conversations with youth who were confronted constantly in school, you know, if they went to public school or whatever and, teachers even putting them on the spot or saying something and not realizing that they were indigenous and, you know, making disparaging comments or something in class and then them feeling so powerless and not knowing what to do and then feeling terrible about it afterwards. And I just, I, I, I just, I said like, like enough, like I've heard this so many times that I need to, I need to like talk about it, you know, and I have to let them know that, it's okay. And it's not their fault that this happened to them and that it will continue to happen to them and that they don't have to, they don't have to take it on to themselves, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yes. Yeah. Thank you for, for giving our permission that our youth to have that permission for themselves to, yeah, we don't, it's not for us to carry, you know, but of course we have to talk about it when it does happen to us. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I, so these stories that you're, you're telling and that you're sharing in your, in your book are, while they are personal experiences, they, many of us can relate, you know, whether it happened to us or somebody we know, that's the thing is, you know, we are having, um, common but unique experiences because they're unique to each and every one of us in the way that we receive them and the way that they affect us. But nonetheless, it's sad to say that there's so many of us that have these stories of, yeah, you know, sitting there and, and having somebody act out racism, whether they know you're Indigenous or not, or, you know, or, you know, well, my aunt encountered this or my uncle encountered that. And, you know, but at the same time, we can empower ourselves by telling the more we speak our truth, the yeah. more we empower ourselves and heal ourselves. And as we do that, we are empowering and healing our families and our communities. And writing is such a beautiful way to do that. So um, thank you for sharing that uh, on on your uh, the poem there that you read and and bringing light to these these important issues um let's hear another poem (laughs) (laughs) all right let's hear another poem maybe i'll maybe i'll try and like um maybe i'll try and find something that's uh not so sad (laughs) does that make sense it's all it does but i mean it's all it's all they're all important words you know whether they bring us to tears or they bring us to laugh you know at ourselves or our situations and and you know laughter is really a healing medicine um and and i i just remember how much you and ellie and myself how much we laughed when we were (laughs) sitting together (laughs) at the residency and you know that's that's good. It's good to laugh. And it's also good to have our tears when, when we need to. And yeah. um, I commend you for making, allowing, creating space for that woman that you talked about a few minutes ago where she came on stage and she had tears. I mean, you, you were part of creating a safe space for her to feel the freedom to be able to do that and to let go of whatever it was she experienced that was hurting her. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the best things. And about this and I've definitely like I've had some pretty powerful moments after 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 readings with people coming up and just sort of laying down whatever whatever my poem or my poems or my stories let them and uh it's um it's nice like it's like it's a it's a gift to 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 have someone sort of allow you into their own life um I'm a stranger to them but you know, maybe something mm-hmm. we've never said to anyone else. Um, yeah. And so I just have, I just think of it as a gift. And, um, yeah. Can I tell you about one of my favorite poems of your, in your book? Yeah, please. Um, on family sisters. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one so much because, you know, there's two of us. I have an older sister, my older sister, Shanine, um, and her Blackfoot name is Estengaki. And I can relate to these stories that you, that you shared so beautifully in, in your poem, Sisters, because, yeah, sisters are, are always a very interesting, complex, um, <laughs> colorful and challenging relationship yeah. <laughs> that we as women can have, you know? Yeah. Um, I love how you talked about, uh, 
the Barbies, you know, the hand-me-down dresses, the car rides, which could either be really fun or where you both are just upset with each other because somebody hurt someone's feelings. <laughs> um, the listening to the music your parents are playing. Um, I'll just read a little, a little bit here yeah. if I can. Yeah. Car rides, singing along to the mamas and the papas, Don McLean, Queen, Eric Clapton, ACDC, Hank Williams, Johnny Cash, afternoon spent sprawled in silence with our books, fighting so hard you throw a ham at the other's head, <laughs> making movies in the backyard, dyeing each other's hair in the bathtub, confessions in the dark. I love that because my sister and I, we had our own bedrooms in high school, but Sometimes I would hang out in her bedroom and we would talk for hours and, Aww. you know, until my dad stomped on the floor above us or my mom just <laughs> out of nowhere, very quietly, like a ninja or a quiet, you know, Blackfoot sneaking, doing a sneak up. She would knock on the bedroom door and we'd be like, oh my God, did she just hear what we were saying? <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but anyways, um, I love how you just beautifully, you know, holding the hands during the birth of babies, and you are an auntie yeah. like myself, Francine, and oh, how we just love our nieces and nephews, and you know, that role is so special. I love that, you know, I, I really, I love that line in there, holding hands during the birth of babies, um seeing the Northern Lights and still not being convinced it wasn't an alien invasion. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And there's your imagination. I hear it right there. Your, your sci-fi right there. Uh, tattoos. Did you both get the same tattoo? Uh, me, uh, or did you both get tattoos? Me and uh, my two sisters, we have matching tattoos. Uh, and then me and my, one of my other sisters have met like, yeah, we have lots of matching tattoos together. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> That's quite a commitment because, you know, how did you even decide on what, you know, because I'm sure you all had your ideas of how it should look. So, Well, what we did is we took, after my mom died, we got uh, Nimama, which is the Cree word for mom. And we got that written in syllabics. And mm. so that was like the core idea. And then each of us did our own artistic flair around that core idea. Wow, that's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, so we did that together one day. Okay, so you finish it off with endless canasta around a dining room table, laughing so hard you can't breathe. <laughs> yeah. That's beautiful. Right, it's just that special sister laugh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Where you're gasping oh, yeah. for air. <laughs> yes, that's the best feeling, isn't it? And you don't even <laughs> remember at which point. You, you found something funny. You yeah. get so caught up in the laughter and then you keep laughing because of the laughter. Oh, I love it. Yeah. 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 You know, my sister and I, we, um, we sound very much alike. A lot of people say, and even our parents, and there were times when we'd be home and they'd call us after work. You know, we got home before them on our school bus and they'd call us to let us know when they'd be home from work. And, you know, one of us would answer and we'd pretend to be the other and they'd be talking to us as if we were who we said we were until, you know, out of nowhere, just kidding, it's Andrea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Me and my sisters used to do that too. We sound very similar. And yeah. 
<laughs> I, I remember when my one sister, she, her and I were only like less than a year in age apart. And yeah. um, so we went to the same school and she was always like, I was, uh, I like, I went to school early. So she was two years behind me, but we always hung out like in high school and mm-hmm. uh, we had the same group of friends. And for some reason we didn't realize that these people, that our group of friends didn't realize that we were sister. <laughs> They just thought we were really good friends. And so I remember someone, one of our friends calling our house and they were like, hey, is Fran there? And Sabrina was like, oh, no, she's not. And they were like, why are you at her house answering her phone? <laughs> and so my sister's like, I live here. They're like, why do you live with Fran? Like they just <laughs> not understand. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I love that. Oh my gosh, we could, we could, you and I could have a, an episode in itself about our sister, you know, sister world, world of being sisters. Oh gosh. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Okay. So have you found that poem? I did. I found a poem. I'm going to read a love poem. Yay. Oh, that's always nice. Uh, so this is on love and it's called harvest. Grown like roots. Our love tangles through the rough underbrush of the forest, sending signals like how the trunks of fir trees send water up through their branches. Planted in smiles, touches, I miss you texts from afar. The seed of love planted years before, waiting until now to harvest all that we are. You know what? That is one of my favorite poems. I have that one, um, you know, neatly folded at the bottom of the corner of the page. Um, I love that for so many reasons, just simply, first of all, the imagery, you know, what it creates. And it reminds me, for me, it reminds me of traditional love, like back in the day when people, you know, Mm -hmm. were fell in love and, and now where we're at today, like it just really, it really brings together those two worlds, which we really do walk in. You know, we have our histories and parts of us from our grandparents to, to where we are now. And I love that. Um, I just love it. I'm so glad you picked that one. <laughs> I think our, our listeners are going to definitely feel warm and fuzzy after that one and, you know, reflect on the love of their life or the one that they are waiting on, you know, if you will, or yeah, yes, I love it. Um, what inspired you to write that? Uh, that was just, I think like long, long relationships, like uh, what you're talking about, like the waiting for that person uh, and how that can take sometimes years. Um, Mm -hmm. but if you look at it, you realize that there's so many little moments that have sort of been like planted in your love and, and that just, so that just makes the moment when you come together so much better because then you have that history and, and you've had to go through so much to get to each other. And I guess I'm more of like an old fantasy romantic, like old fashioned romantic that way. Mm-hmm. And um, My grandparents actually fell in love. Like my mom's parents, they fell in love through letters uh, writing letters to each other over the course of five years. So after only meeting each other like one time. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, that is, I have, it's a huge epic story and I'm, I'm 
going to write it as a novel and it's going to be a Korean romance novel. Um, Yay! <laughs> yeah, but it's going to be based in truth and it is very epic. There's lots of adventure cart. There was actually a police chase at one point. Like, <laughs> so I feel like it's very cinematic. So when my, I, cause I asked my grandma, I was like, grandma, like, how did you meet grandpa? And she was like, no mm-hmm. one ever really asked her that story. Wow. And she was like, it's not, it's not that interesting, Fran. It's not that interesting. And I was like, no, I'm like, I really want to know. How did you meet him? And then she told me this like epic tale. And she was like, see, it's not that interesting. You're like, um, can we, can I just write this down? <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I did, I immediately like went and I just like wrote pages and pages, everything I could remember of what she told me. And so that's going to be the skeleton of the story. But I, I feel like there's, I don't know if you've ever, but I don't think I've really ever read like an indigenous, just straight out romance novel. No, that is something that, yeah, we need to get going here because there is so many stories that are just waiting to be told. Like you said, your grandmother's story and, and in their mind, it's like, oh, we were just doing what we had to do, but you're like, um, no, this sounds like a movie. <laughs> yeah. It's like a, like what she told me, I was like, that's like a Nicholas Sparks novel here. <laughs> like, yes, that's what I was just thinking. It's <laughs> so wrought with all of this tension and all of this stuff. And so, yeah, I, I just have always loved that idea of um, falling in love slowly over time mm. and really getting to know someone that way. So, um, yeah. <laughs> That is beautiful. And what a what an incredible and inspirational way to to close our conversation here because you're leaving you are leaving us all of us with some hope, some faith in in our journeys. That is, you know, all that is yet to be discovered and explored. Um and leaving it on a note of love, which, you know, we can't have enough of in this world, you know, whether it's with that romantic partner or um, family, friends, ourselves, you know, and, and humanity. So, wow. Thank you for sharing that and for sharing your time today, because I'm just, Oh, it's, I'm so happy we had this conversation and, and I can't wait to have more conversations (laughs) with you, Francine. And, you know, in this whole pandemic, um, it, we are this the world is healed from this pandemic, if you will. Um, I can't wait to visit with you in person, and I'm so happy that you're now not like 14 hours away, you're only two hours away. <laughs> yep. yep, yes. So, um, but before we finish, before we conclude today's conversation, we are going to finish off with the final four <laughs> now. If you're not familiar with the final four, it's where I get to have fun by asking you four questions that I didn't tell you I was going to ask you. <laughs> yeah. <so. laughs> oh, great. Awesome. I love that. I'm, I'm here for it. Yay. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'll start off with this one here because this one, this question I'm going to ask you was actually inspired by... Uh, one of the topics you wrote about in your book okay. on food. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> okay. I have to ask you, bannock or fry bread? Oh, bannock. 
Yeah. Oh, that was an easy one. Yeah. Hot, <laughs> hot from the oven, cut it open and put some fresh honey on that and it'll melt right in. Oh, I love so that. Good. So good. Mouth watering. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I would like my future self to. <laughs> I would like my future self uh, to still be considered a child. <laughs> um, I, I like that people still perceive me as like young and goofy and silly and my nieces and nephews. I asked that four-year-old, I was like, do you think that I'm an adult? And they're like, no. <laughs> and I was like, why not? They're like, you're too silly to be an adult. You play too much. So I hope that my future self is always like that. <laughs> wow. That, that is actually quite a compliment because, you know, children, they are unfiltered, right? They yeah. will tell you how it is. Yeah. <clears throat> you're definitely going to be that fun granny. I know that for sure. Gookum. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Okay, <clears throat> next question here. One word to describe you. Uh, I don't put a ton of stock in astrology, but I'm just going to say Scorpio. <laughs> no! <laughs> it's what I am, and I feel like if you know what a Scorpio is, that's pretty defining. <laughs> wow. That yeah okay I'm I'm a bit of an astrology geek here so I I love that you you that that's your answer <laughs> very fitting I'll say <laughs> and for those of you that don't know look it up <laughs> yeah you'll see you'll see <laughs> okay final question of the final four. <clears throat> My hope for the world is my hope for the world is that every supernatural thing, creature, being is actually real. Wow. <laughs> I love it. Oh my god, I love it. Like unicorns and all, right? Everything. I hope it's all real because <laughs> if it's not, then life has just been super boring. <laughs> Wow. Oh my gosh. I love it. Loch Ness Monster, Ogopogo, Everything. you know. Wow. Aliens. <laughs> aliens. Well, I believe aliens 100% are real. 100% yes. not convince me that they're not. I'm with you on that. So Loch Ness Monster, I actually went to Scotland once and I swam in Loch Ness with my sister and oh my God. it was so cold and we were so afraid the whole time. And so we freaked ourselves out because we thought like we just freaked <laughs> ourselves out so we had to get out. <laughs> like any minute it's going to come yeah, out or yeah. just pull you under. Yeah. So we were like, ah, we had to just, we had to run out. Uh, but wow. uh, I believe so strongly. Oh my God. Okay, that has to go in one of your books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, come on, little people, those are they're real. Yes. Little oh, people yeah. are real. And mm-hmm. so if if you I feel like if you if you believe in one thing's real, you gotta believe it's all real. Exactly. Yes, I love that. Yeah. Wow. Well that just that is that is who you are, Francine. <laughs> you have a beautiful and rich imagination and one of the best parts of it all is that you're sharing it with others you're not just 
having it in your own magical world. You actually get to share it with everyone who is so smart to pick up your book and read it and all the other beautiful things that you've done and created. And I just want to make a side note here. I love your beading, by the way. Uh, I will be showing off those earrings. I've been waiting to post on them until we talk. Um, But I I love them. They're my favorite pair of earrings. They're like the neon and the hot pink and (laughs) white beads. I love it. So for our listeners out there, you you know, people have to stop by your Etsy store. Um, I will post up the links and... You, you have jewelry on there, you have paintings, um, you have artist cards, I see, you know, and your books, of course, like, there's definitely something for everyone. And you have leggings, too. Is that right? I have leggings, shirt, yeah, uh, face masks, we, me and my sister, my, my sister and I run my shop together. Um, I, so we started doing face masks, we started, I sell my poetry book, so on me's on there. And if you order my you put the book directly from me, that means I can sign it and yes! and I can write something on the inside if you want. And if you get it for a gift, okay. One of my favorite things in the universe is sending mail, which is why I love having my own Etsy shop because I can wrap everything really nicely with like tissue paper and ribbons and put it in the mail, like a little present for everybody. And oh, I love that. Just like Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I love doing it. And, better. You know, you know, people, I find that people buy my book as gifts and then I can really wrap it up nice and I get to see all the beautiful messages people want to write in it. And so yeah, buy directly from wow. me. It's, it's better. It's always better. People maybe don't know this, a little thing about the publishing industry. It's always better for an author, like, unless they're like, you know, Stephen King, whatever, those people are on a different level, but it, for someone like a smaller author, it's always better to buy the book directly from them because then they actually make a real percentage of money. Um, mm-hmm. so if you buy from something like Amazon, the author may just get like a couple cents, um, which, you know, it's not as fun. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. you know, any author just, uh, yeah, they, they usually have a stack of books that they're, they're willing to, to send out. So, well, I'm all about buying from the artists themselves and supporting our Indigenous artists. You know, there's some amazing work out there and you're right up there with it as well. So um, if they want to buy from you, is do they visit your website, Fran- yeah. FrancineCunningham.ca? Well, that's my website. And then if they want to buy my book and stuff, they can go to, it's called demarcationlines.etsy.com. And okay. so that, yeah. that's the name of my business is Demarcation Lines. And so that's where everything's sort of listed on my Etsy shop. Uh, and yeah, I, I started, I don't know, maybe five years ago or so. But. Wow. And you're still going. That's the beautiful part. You know, once yeah. you started, you, you just kept going and I can't wait to see what comes next. Like we now have your next book to look forward to. Yeah. Um, that love, epic love story from your grandparents. <laughs> and of course, your ongoing beautiful creations with your beaded work, your paintings, yeah. everything. Um, and yes, I did purchase off your demarc- demarcationlines.se website. So I will definitely post those up because I know our listeners are going to be curious and want to uh, pick up your book and, and some, some gifts along the way. <laughs> But yeah. thank you so much. Um, 
Francine, for sharing time, sharing your heart and your passions for what you do and, and for sharing your gifts with the world. Thank you so much for having me, Andrea. Uh, I love your podcast and your voice. And I'm just, uh, I'm excited to see who you're going to keep having on. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to tell you. I've got some more amazing people like you and everyone else who's been on confirmed. I'm just like, I'm excited. Yay. Yay. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I, I want to wish you well on everything you're doing and you know, the world is watching and waiting for Francine Cunningham's magical artistry to keep sharing her gifts with the world. Oh, thank you. It is always such a wonderful and warm experience every time Francine and I get to together and have a conversation and of course share some laughter and stories. I'm so happy that you had a chance to partake in that today as you got to hear more about her story and why she is such an amazing and talented incredible artist. I really do hope you pick up her book on me because you will walk away reflecting on your own journey, your own family history and just thinking more deeply about the histories of Indigenous peoples. It is always with great joy to talk to Francine and I can't wait to hear more about what she does. And do feel free to stop by her website. I will post all the links up in the page here and buy some of her beautiful artwork and share it with your loved ones. They definitely make for wonderful gifts. I hope you all have a beautiful and blessed rest of your week. You are amazing. You have a purpose and there is so much for you to share with the world, just as Francine is doing all the gifts that Creator has blessed you with. Gadakiramatsin. <laughs>